I said I wasn't going to go super deep into TFT, but I started playing it today. Mm -hmm. Because they, like, did something I really like for a change. (laughs) Uh, They compressed the game into, like, a small game mode that takes, like, 15 minutes. Oh, interesting. Instead of being, like, a 40-minute affair. Well, is this... This is, like, a a side game to it? Like, what's the... It's basically TFT, but you don't have to care about how much money you have every round Mm. because it just automatically gives you money. So you basically just don't have to worry about anything except for the core mechanics of the actual stupid game, which is buying the units and figuring out how they work. Okay. (laughs) And it takes like 15 minutes instead of 40, so. Like, how are they incorporating it with the regular game? Is it just a... It's just a different queue type. Okay. Is it like permanent? I hope so. (laughs) it's it's definitely for the remainder of this uh, little set. I probably still will not try it because I don't know any of. The I would never. Core mechanics. I mean, I just don't. Re- I can't recommend that game. It's just like horrible. <laughs> <laughs> like it's only fun once you've like dedicated to learning a bunch of stuff and reading stuff, mm-hmm. which you all have to figure out on your own because the game doesn't tell you. Anything. Sure. And that's just the worst possible way to do any game. <laughs> I mean, I I could make could take the low-hanging fruit joke and be like oh just like magic but that's just not really true about magic magic has a million people that will want to tell you and teach you how to play the game as well as the cards do a better job of it than right like whatever tft does i mean and you're you're not thrown into like you're you're in an eight player tft like it's you can sit down across from your friend and play with simple cards with your hands revealed and you don't have to know all of the mechanics to have fun playing a game with your friends it's also not automated i mean you can play arena if there's a tutorial right so for this to be true like this comparison has to be paper magic but it's not paper magic is not automated you can't just like sit down at magic and then it play itself Mm -hmm. and you have to figure out why it's working (laughs) which is the case for tft yeah like you can just clearly lose the game like really easily and very quickly and just have no idea why right it's just a truly awful kind of uh design there's no, is there like a, a combat log or anything for the fights so you can like see what happened or is it just like. There's like a damage chart, mm. which tells you what's doing the most damage on each team. And then there's like similar ones for like damage reduced and healing. Mm-hmm. But you really only have enough time to look at the damage take dealt one, which isn't super helpful if like a character is really, really good because they stop other stuff from doing things. <laughs> Like, what you would really want is a full combat log that just, like, tracks all actions by all, you know, characters on the battlefield. Yeah, there's not one of those, that's for sure. Yeah. After you're, like, no longer playing the game, you're, like, in the lobby or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's nowhere to read about what anything does. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you can't see what the characters do. You can't see what items you can create. You can't see any of that. Like, in the actual client. You have to go to, like, a website or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's not great. It's uh, one of those things that they clearly just hopped on the auto chess kind of thing that was going around at the time and just shoved it into the League of Legends client when it really does deserve like its own client. Yeah, yeah, of course. (laughs) I mean, one of my favorite games of all time, Path of Exile, you can't really play it without having a wiki tab open the entire time. But that's also an action RPG that spans like hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of game time. Right. Not like a self-contained 40-minute game. Exactly, where you're under pressure because you're competing with other human beings and you're trying to... Right. 
and this is this is more of a like if you want a deep understanding like you can hack your way through the entire game without like truly understanding any of the mechanics so it's it's definitely a different and, concept and in path you can always just open the skill tree and just read a bunch of stuff in the game and try to figure out what you want to do yeah it's not optimal for sure no and there's a, a bunch of stuff like did you know that 40 percent increased damage and 40 percent more damage are like spectacularly different things <laughs> like 40 percent increased damage is like nice 40 percent more damage is just like an absolute like game breaking stat change for your character i i appreciate that there's a bunch of game design in like especially with numbers driven games like these that you can't really spell everything out. Yeah. But I feel like you should make efforts where you can. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think especially if it is a competitive multiplayer game, you know, in Path of Exile, if you don't optimize your build, you're still going to kill a lot of monsters and stuff, and maybe it, like, gives you the fire to delve into the wiki. And it's not, it's definitely not, the information is not delivered optimally. Like, that much is absolutely true. But given the game type, it's, like, okay. It's fine. Right, <laughs> Like, you can learn while playing, be in a Discord with your friend as you're hacking through the axe, and your friend who has a thousand hours in the game can be like, oh yeah, like, this is how this works, and you eventually pick stuff up. In TFT, like, you're just, like, I assume losing in multiplayer over and over and over again as your friend in the Discord, like, tells you to do things that you don't understand. And you don't have time to be told why to do things. Right. <laughs> So, yeah. Well, I will say my favorite thing of, like, the hyper TFT mode is that the rank system, like, because it's, it's only a rank, right? It's only the only Q type it has. Mm -hmm. But it's not like the, the iron, bronze, silver, whatever the metals are that everyone uses, diamond at the top, that, that sort of deal. It's it's what? It's iron, steel, glass, Diedrich, dragon? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then diamond, of course. And mythic. <laughs> The, the most precious of metals. The ranks in this one, it starts at gray. So it's like, you've been put in gray. And I'm like, okay. And then it, when I got promoted, it's like, you've been promoted into green. And I'm like, hell yeah, I didn't know green was better than gray, but I'm for it. <laughs> everyone welcome to episode 195 of the mtg grindcast the spikiest podcast in all of central north carolina we are your hosts i'm chris castor apple with me is lee mcleod hey lee hi chris you uh you dodged my spikiest pun in the, the oh notes. i just missed it but we are both inoculated so this is the inoculatiest podcast in all of central north carolina yeah i really just wanted to make you say inoculatiest well, I nailed it, so... You did, yeah. It actually took me a little bit to think of how to say most vaccinated, <laughs> but as a superlative. <laughs> I also pronounced your name correctly, which did not happen on the MTG Rants podcast this week. So, you know, got that going for me, too. Oh, did I get mentioned? I haven't listened to the one You got a uh, overrated, underrated. Okay. But... It was with Todd Anderson, I think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I haven't listened to that one yet. It's a good episode. It was. It's fun to listen. It's a fun one. I, I should eventually correct Tannen on how my name is pronounced. Oh, well, it was Ross. But... Oh, it was Ross. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, he should know. Come yeah. On. You think? But I've played against him way more than I have Tan. I don't think I've ever played against him. Yeah. Your name does. You know, I've I've stumbled on your name in the in the distant past, but 
it's pretty easy yeah it, once you know it but mm-hmm. i my favorite thing about the star city opens when they had to there's like i've had lots of problems with my uh dci number mm-hmm. so i usually like i had a stretch of time at star city events where they would just like call me up to go fix something like my <laughs> name was wrong or a number was off or something like that and it, it's real simple i just go up there tell them blah 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 and it's all fixed it's good mm-hmm. but they have to pronounce my name like every event <laughs> that that happens just a different pronunciation each time but yeah and the cool part is well it's easier since sean works there now and he's usually scorekeeping so mm. he'll just do it but before sean and sometimes even with sean <laughs> someone would say it and ask if i if they pronounce my name correctly which i'd be like no it's this and they'd be like oh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry and it was like neat that they took the time because every time it was the same they have always like the rotating cast of the same people mm-hmm. and the next time that happened the guy got it right and it was the same guy and i was sure. so proud of him <laughs> well that's good at least that's something uh so you mostly put the notes together for this episode i did look through them but if you want to tell the audience what we're going to be talking about today you're welcome to uh, just the news topics yeah. in the, the previews and stuff. So Wizards did a reveal in the last. I was super sick, so it had to have been Thursday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with uh, with uh, the Summer of Legend is the tagline. They really made it in the like announcement that the stream was going to happen. They really made it sound like it was going to be something, but it was just set previews. Yeah, that, that's all it was. And like a video game that no one asked for. So, Wait, what video talking, game? Is it not the... It's like some D&D video game. Oh, I just didn't even hear about this afterwards. It was the even. very first... Well, it's because no one in Magic cares. Is it like a tie-in with the set is why they... No. Nope. Okay. <laughs> I spent, you know, I spent a lot of time playing a Dungeons and Dragons video game when I was a kid. I put many hours into Neverwinter Nights 2, both the campaigns and online servers. I could care about this stuff, but I just like don't even really hear about it. It looked mostly like uh, kind of like Magic Legends that just mm-hmm. came out, but I don't know what type. There, it was in a cinematic trailer, so I didn't actually see what the oh, gameplay was like. Yeah, like my least favorite types of trailers. But I know I had to watch it because I was so sick on that Thursday that they had the preview stream. I was basically in my bed the entire day. Uh, it was right after I got vaccinated that. I just had to go through this like stupid video game thing before they got to any of the magic stuff. And I just <laughs> was like, what? why is this a part of the show? Like no one, no one cares. And sure enough, no one on magic Twitter even addressed that it was announced. <laughs> no one. Oh, cared. it's, it's dark Alliance, right? That's, that's yes. what the game is. Okay. I did play a lot of Baldur's Gate dark Alliance with my brother when I was a kid because it was like a Diablo esque game, but it had like couch co-op. So it was like really, it was a really cool thing to exist on original Xbox. Like we we really made the most of that. But I don't know that that makes my interest in it extend any further than, you know. Nostalgia. Yeah. But anyway, they did previews for Modern Horizons. And we've got the next set in standard Adventures in the Forgotten Realm. That's the D&D set. And then... The Historic Anthology 5, which they only released two cards during the stream, but I think as of this recording, we've got 15 or 10 or something like that. Continue being just like less and less relevant as the cards get like, we'll talk about them, but you know, it's a big shrug. Well, so I wrote these notes, but we'll talk about it later. Yeah. When I get to this part. Yes. 
Uh, and then, I mean, we could do this first if you want. It's just like the the arena opened th- this past weekend. Yeah, man. I didn't play in it. I don't usually play in them. And, I mean, this time, the, like, relief that I didn't play in it really overrode my FOMO from not playing it. <laughs> yeah, so basically, the May Open that just happened was a sealed arena open. And I was kind of off the internet for Saturday. I wasn't really doing anything on it. So I didn't hear about any of the problems until like Saturday evening Mm -hmm. when I scrolled through Twitter and everyone was complaining about Arena's disconnect issues. (laughs) And I was kind of wondering, why why does everyone care so much like on this Saturday? And I realized it was the Arena Open. (laughs) And everyone was just losing their entry left and right in a tournament you could enter however many times you wanted. Yeah. It was Saturday that had most of the problems, right? So yeah, it was it was at least not people who had like gotten their qualification and then lost it. I I don't know how many server problems there were on Sunday, but yeah, lose like server problems on Saturday are also like clearly completely unacceptable. So it, it basically stopped people from being able to. I, I think it was mostly disconnection related mm-hmm. or connection related because people couldn't connect to games. Yeah, and people couldn't even get into Arena at some points. Yeah, so you would, like, start your run and just be unable to keep playing. You'd have to just leave it. Yeah. Cool. Great stuff. So what Wizards did, or sometimes you would just try to connect to a game and you wouldn't connect, but be rewarded a loss, which is, you know, worse. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Wizards actually ended up compensating everyone who had played in one of these opens but not finished their run Mm -hmm. so like presumably that being a case where you start a run disconnect can't can't finish it and then watsy just comps you if you have an open thing you didn't finish Mm -hmm. but that doesn't address anyone who had like gotten two losses or a loss because they connected to a game that wasn't there and got a loss from it cool awesome it's specifically just people who just couldn't finish well, and and that's not even a good enough fix because, you know, people blocked off an afternoon or whatever to do this and or were excited about it and that gets taken away. Like, you're not, you're not making people whole after the thing that got taken away. You know, it, it doesn't fix it. I think Noxious, one of the Twitch streamers, referenced Kibler's uh, uh, Mox article from like 2013 where he complained about if you're having just infrastructure issues week after week you can't hold these premier tournaments people block their days off for yeah and that was the infamous post that got all the mocks canceled for like almost a year (laughs) until they fixed it (laughs) but they're not gonna do that with arena they're just gonna keep doing this no they make way too much money off of these opens to do that like very clearly especially if all the problems are on day one you don't have to even pretend that there's a possibility someone could get real money out of it yeah i yeah these things bum me out and you know like one thing that i really want from arena is actual tournaments in client not just these things where you have to get x not just you know these are events these are the same as limited events it's just there's more at stake but it's just get x wins before you get x losses which is kind of what tournaments are 
if you like get really granular with it yeah okay get no more than one or two losses in the swiss in order to make top but it's not quite that like you end a tournament with a winner you end the tournament with a top eight like you you get a trophy there there's more at stake there's more drama to it i want tournaments and i want to like have final standings and stuff like that and i i want that but the fact that even this thing which is operating entirely within the like resources that exist within arena and it just doesn't work because there's just too many more people than they thought would be playing in it or more people than they dedicated servers to allow so it doesn't work you know how far off is having a tournament in arena then at this point i i think arenas in t- or tournaments in arena will actually never happen that, that, that's how i feel too yeah that's uh, just because and i'm like more sympathetic to that because i really like tournaments too but in all honesty i, I think arena events are similar enough to tournaments that it's for the arena client it's more or less the same thing like i mean the mpl barely barely their their main tournament thing doesn't even do the whole tournament structure they're basically just playing events they play matches and they lose some of them there's no Mm -hmm. top eight there's no trophies yeah they're just playing matches yeah i mean like i'm just not compelled to play in the opens partially because of the like lack of actual like tournament structure but also because you know it's a one shot it doesn't lead anywhere there's no real purpose to it yeah if i win the right amount then i get some money but i don't really care that much about that i i I want to qualify for things i want to earn points towards stuff not just have these one shots huh that's interesting because i think i feel the opposite that i don't care at all about qualifying for anything which is why i thought the latter qualification was so heinous but I, I do like the one-shot tournaments and just playing matches for money. I don't really need there to be a qualification. But I still don't play in these because it's not what I'm looking for in a tournament. <laughs> I think for people who do just want to like play an event and get some money, so this is a perfectly, actively good feature of Arena. And I don't well, yeah, know I, I think these ever... are fine. And clearly the limited ones are like super, super popular. Yeah. I avoid specifically because the sealed deck building interface is so bad i just never ever want to do it nor do i want to practice sealed on arena so well can you i, I don't think they have a sealed queue they didn't they leading up to this you could play sealed to practice I, yeah i'm not sure because i was never ever 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 going to play in the sealed arena ones yeah i mean you could also practice sealed on moto which is like a perfectly functional sealed de- deck builder because you can see all of your cards at once it's so weird how Magic Online is so flawed in so many ways, but it has had the best deck builder in any card game since, like, 2000. Yeah. Well, because it's just... It's just a all table. there. It's just a it's table. Just a, table. Just a graphical, graphical representations, and they're small enough that you can see all of it. Like, flipping through a binder to get to the... Like, it's not... That's not a good interface. When I build a sealed deck in paper, I literally am at a table and I can have all the cards laid out in front of me and move them around, yeah. which is what Magic Online is. 
And I don't put every card I open in a pool in a binder and then flip, <laughs> sort it by color and then flip through it to see what cards I have. I imagine I would run out of time if I tried to do that. Well, I mean, assuming you had infinite setup time or right. it was provided to It you. wouldn't be ideal. Still, the ideal way would be to, you know, put them out on the table, sort through it for, like, quality of card, use that to pick your colors, and then, you know, like... <laughs> the the binder interface is just so nonsense yeah it's not it's not super great that's one of the reasons i know you i me too don't prefer the the sealed ones yeah it just doesn't it's not an appealing way to spend time if i have to deal with that sealed deck builder honestly it, that like that's a big barrier to me and certainly like i'm not willing to spend multiple bullets trying to like and have to build a new sealed deck each time with that interface that sounds like absolute torture well, I think we've talked about this before, but I hate the whole multiple entry best of one thing mm -hmm. they've got going on. Kind of want to call it a grift, but yeah, really just <laughs> well, it, it injects some guilt to you when you like give it a shot. Like if you have a tournament, you give it a shot, you lose your first two rounds. You're like, well, you know, I tried. Maybe I wasn't prepared enough. Maybe I got unlucky, but now I can go eat lunch with my friends. In this thing, okay, you like hold on. time out. No one has ever yeah okay had the self-reflection to be like maybe i wasn't prepared enough <laughs> after doing well maybe the next day you go yeah i wasn't prepared enough for this tournament right okay okay yeah that's more like it but but you know in, in a regular tournament you, you get beat up and you're done in this thing you get beat up and you have a level of guilt where you're like i should try again shouldn't i like, I'm, like, obligated now. I've spent time in my, like, I have the sunk cost. Like, I practiced for this, maybe. I I know that I can do it. I just got to, like, keep buying in. I don't, I'm not, I don't love it. But I do, like, I do kind of like it a little bit as a way of outweighing, like, opening a terrible sealed pool that you had no control over. Which well, happens cool way less than people think when they yes. think about sealed but it, it does still happen sometimes i am it's mostly the the i opened four rare lands out of my six rares kind of deal exactly. they're all in different color combinations right right <laughs> uh, i'm empathetic to the try again buy-in but not the uh infinite buy-ins just keep going for it man right. i got this right <laughs> yeah yeah there's something really off-putting about that to me yeah anyways so that sucked I wish they would do better. I wish they'd implement more features that they just are never going. Yeah, they just will never have real tournaments. And I do want, if this is going to be the way we play Magic, it like it has to have tournaments. And the fact that it doesn't means that it's just never going to be, which is probably a good thing. Like I, I, I want to play Paper Magic. So if Arena like sucks at filling that void, then that helps Paper Magic exist. <laughs> I didn't write this down on the notes, but I want to like briefly segue into like OP because mm. they just announced something as of 20 minutes ago or so about OP, which is, and I'll, I'll link it to you so you can actually yeah, see Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, but this is the 2021 postseason. The postseason. So yeah, well, Magic is a postseason now. <laughs> what is a postseason? Oh, because it's the gauntlets? Okay. So. People were getting kind of worried because Wizards has not announced any plans for organized play past May. 
Mm-hmm. There's all the PTQs for Magic Online just like stop and they don't lead into anything. Yep. After a certain date, uh, there's no there's nothing about any events after that. But they just announced the gauntlets when they're taking place. We've got uh, the 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 Strixhaven Championship on June fourth, and then August sixth gets the Challenger Gauntlet, and they list the gauntlets. There's a September second gets the Rivals and then MPL gauntlets, which determines the next year of the MPL, and the World Championship is October eighth to tenth. So we've got like the next bracket of big tournaments for super premier play like all all ready to go mm-hmm. but this announcement does not address what the people not in the mpl do right 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 well so that doesn't really like we knew all of this stuff was happening like this isn't an announcement of anything in particular except for the dates for the things that we knew would happen at some point but we knew an op announcement was coming soon Mm-hmm. And this is the one we got, which is, you know, nothing. Yeah. All right, well, maybe the Pro Tour is dead. Maybe it's gone forever. Possibly. I mean, we know the MPL is continuing into next year. Well, However. Who, maybe it's just league play. <laughs> oh, God, no. Right, like, they can't have the league without at least pretending there's a way to get into it, right? So. <laughs> Let's start up the ladder qualifications, baby. Oh, Christ. Well, see, yeah, and I mean, that is why I want actual tournaments in arena right like i don't like the ladder qualifying for anything i shouldn't be forced to play the ladder i should be allowed to play events slash tournaments to get places on arena like i'm just so ladder is just absolute trash yeah i I mean i I think ladder is absolute trash not only for qualification metrics but just in general yes having to make mythic every month in order to start playing against like the good players is just the biggest nonsense of all time I, I despise it. If I want to queue up and play competitive games against good players, like I should be able to just take a box that like takes me to good players, right? Who are trying. Like the old 1800 club on Magic Online. Yeah, or competitive leagues on Magic Online, which also don't exist anymore. Just like a higher bar of entry so that people who have spent time or just a lot of income will only play in those things. Yeah, I mean, like, if you want to play serious, sweaty magic, like, you shouldn't have to play a bunch of BS matches to get there. I think that's a a dumb concept. Yeah, I I agree. As I think focusing too much on ladder, the the way ladder works is just pretty unhealthy in general. Oh, yeah. Psychologically, just really gross. Anyway, I'm kind of done with that. Magic OP for now. It's kind of it. We're just kind of in limbo. Yeah. Like their current arena tournaments are not working so hot. The we've got no announcement of what OP actually has for us in store. Us, the average player of Magic, the people not in the MPL. <laughs> and this and, isn't just limbo. This is limbo. Th- this isn't like limbo. Like man, I wonder what they're gonna do with the Pro Tour next year. I wonder where the the PT sites are gonna be. Like we're in limbo with no faith or confidence in 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 the organization whatsoever. See, so CCR, this is exactly limbo. It's limbo. <laughs> how low can you go? Ah, uh, I thought you were gonna say limbo, like the actual plane Place. of existence yeah. where <laughs> no. you never actually I, get out. And I had to go way cornier. Okay, fair. But yeah, it's both of those things, really. The perfect analogy 
Well, you want to bright side this whole thing and just look at some Modern Horizons previews then? New cards? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. New cards, old cards. Yeah, so we have, I think I got them all, Modern Horizons previews. Only five cards so far. There's a couple of bangers in here. Yeah, it's really good. And I'm so ready for Modern Horizons 2. I think I said this in the last episode, but I'm just, man, Modern really needs to be shook up. And it looks like they might be doing that because some of the cards, like they've spoiled five cards total. And two of them look like they're extremely impactful. Yeah, I I, I don't remember who tweeted this, but I, I agree with it entirely. It might have been Ari saying like, Basically, modern is fine right now, but there's nothing in here that's worth protecting over, like doing something cool and good with the format. Yeah, I posted that in our, our Discord this oh, morning. I, right, I'm right. gonna read the whole quote. It wasn't. I, I was quoting Ari. I didn't say that. Okay. Specifically myself. Uh, da, da, da. here we go. Yeah, I'm super excited about Modern Horizons Two. Modern right now is fine but in ways that aren't worth clinging to if there's a chance to make the format the best of what we have now and what we had before, which is referring to the Mox Opal Faith Saluting stuff that mm-hmm. he addresses earlier in his, uh, in his thread. quotes about that. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that where where we've come to, you know, in realizing, like, okay, we really do need Faith Saluting and Mox Opal touchstones in this format. Like, there's so few decks anymore that are that anybody, you know... Most people had, like, a deck box that, like, the deck was sharpied onto it, and, like, that was their modern deck. Like, I think that's how a lot of people experience modern. Like, I'm an affinity player. I'm a, a storm player or whatever. And, like... Just guy control. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a just guy guy. I love Snapcaster mate. Like, like you know, I'm a blue-red thing-in-the-ice guy. And mm, that, that's just not how you can experience modern anymore and i think that's unfortunate because that's what made modern the most popular format in magic is that you could have your deck and that could be part of your magic playing identity and the way it's gotten shaken up and the lack of the like big touchstones in the format mean that we've lost pretty much most of those archetypes and also just kind of the ability to to attach yourself to a deck in that way yeah, and, and honestly, the Modern Horizons products themselves don't help because their whole point is to shake up Shake modern. it up, right. But when one set introduces the power level of, like, enough puff of power level to influence 20-plus years of magic in Modern already, yeah, that's, like, kind of scary by itself, but I'm still down for it. I'm ready. I don't think anybody's attached to any of the top decks in this format right now, so I'm pretty fine with the shake-up. Basically, the only decks people love right now in Modern are uh, Amulet Titan mm-hmm. and Eldrazi Tron. Those are the decks that people <laughs> just like super duper love. Right. And nobody's ever going to stop playing Eldrazi Tron. Regardless. No matter how much we beg. And Amulet is going to like keep getting new tools every couple of sets or so. So Yeah. If it gets too many, they get banned. Yep. Uh, it may have gotten a tool in this set. Are we going to go to that card first? Do you want to talk about it? We can talk about it first, or we can sort of lead up to it. I think this is the big one of all of the cards. So. All right, let's let's lead up to it. Let's go for the, the reprints, because yeah. Modern Horizons 2 has reprints from non-modern legal cards, I, in addition to just the enemy fetch lands, mm-hmm. which are also in this set. 
But those Which, are already in modern, so who cares? Thank God, though. Well, yeah. <laughs> those things needed a reprint real bad. So, quick aside on the pack distribution of Modern Horizons 2. I, they don't quite get into it in the whole announcement thing. But this set has Extendo Arts, which I'm assuming are only collector boosters. It's got full art cards, like on Counterspell. It has old frame cards, which they implied would be a bonus sheet. But it also has sketch cards, which are like a new kind of showcase card. Or just they wanted to like put art descriptions on cards with the sketch of the art instead of the actual art. Mm-hmm. Cool. So they've got like four different premium kinds of cards they want to put in the pack. And I'm not exactly sure how it all fits in. So I don't know the rarity of like borderless cards versus uh, old border cards. Like are fetchlands more common than rares because they're old bordered as well or less <laughs> common i'm like not even sure yeah i mean that's all details that we'll find out later i don't really care about it that much and maybe this is like a little too much different premium stuff but i generally like i, I like the ability to open like weird like fancy stuff in packs it like makes opening packs way more exciting and i also like distribution of value such that some amount of the value of a box is going into the fancy cards so the you know the tournament staples get that much of a reduction in price like if i just want a regular old sanctum prelate from modern horizons like it's that much cheaper because some of the ev of a box is going into old bordered versions of stuff so that specific card you picked is not oh that's the box stopper yeah (laughs) because it's the it's like fluster storm in the previous modern horizons This one's going to see more play than Flusterstorm, I believe. Yeah, Modern or Sanctum Prelate is quite good. Yeah, if you don't know what that is, it's a 1 white, white, 2 2 human cleric that you pick a number as it enters the battlefield, and players can't cast non creature spells with that mana value equal to the number you've picked. So if you pick two, or if you pick one, they can't cast Lightning Bolt, and you can't cast Lightning Bolt, but you can still both cast Monastery Soul Spirit. But it's still way better against prowess than like chalice is because they can't use their lava darts to pump their prowess guys. It's also a creature, so you can tutor it and use it and protect it a million different ways. <laughs> yep, and it's a human too. So yeah, this card's real, real good. So Sanctum Prelate was, I think it's in like a random conspiracy set, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. That sounds right. But the the random like hate cards in those supplemental sets including like a monarch conspiracy uh imperial of the guard or imperial recruiter not imperial recruiter of the guard that's what i'm looking for Mm -hmm. like all those cards just kind of served to make death and taxes basically all supplemental cards right right legacy it's a palace jailer recruiter of the guard sanctum prelate deck so and i i just like is that happening to modern now? Because that's kind of neat. Like, I actually really like Death and Taxes in concept, if not actually playing it. Oh, no. And I, I think that having Death and Taxes exist is really, really good as an archetype for the format. It plays along an axis that other decks don't, like, gives players who like playing with white creatures the ability to do that. And also, like, really punishes the most focused, unfair stuff. Like, if you're playing a Storm deck, and then you play against a deck with a bunch of Dahlias and Sanctum Prelates in it, like, you're having a bad day. If you're playing the Prowess deck that exists because 
we have a bunch of really awesome one mana spells and then you play against the thalia sancta prelate deck like it, it it punishes the the nonsense as hard as it can and you know you can beat it with a thrag tusk yeah so i'm i'm a big fan of uh sanctum prelate it's not gonna go in most decks but it will be there if you're trying to like put creatures into play and stop your opponent from doing things which is like humans death and taxes that kind of style of card yeah i think it'll do a lot and you can also name big numbers with it it's not a chalice like if you don't want to get raft you name four if you don't want to get ugand you can name eight like it's it's meddling mage for a whole class of spells basically so so it's uh one of the I, I missed like concept or cure block when it was in standard so one of the misconceptions i had playing modern after getting back into the game was that ugin just cost nine mana because uh-huh. that's how much my tron opponents tapped for it ah of course <laughs> so for the longest time i just thought ugin cost nine mana instead of eight <laughs> mana well would rarely get you into trouble until it gets reprinted into standard, I guess. Yeah, I did have a couple moments where in Pioneer mm. I had tried to cast it. I wouldn't cast it if I had eight mana, but I don't I cast it if I had nine. <laughs> I'm sure you disabused yourself of that particular mistaken belief pretty quickly. Yes, it was <laughs> It's just kind of funny, though, because of how Tron works. I just thought it cost nine mana. Sure. Uh, another old card that we are getting. We are finally getting Counterspell into Modern. A big C Counterspell. I I went digging for Counterspells after seeing this reprint. Mm-hmm. As did a lot of other people. I think our Discord was kind of full of pictures of people's Counterspells for a little bit. Yes. And all of Twitter was, too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Twitter is was trying really hard though right like, yeah there was pulled out the foil seventh edition foils yeah there's a lot of flexing going on but like that alone to me is a good enough reason to reprint this like you can't play counterspell and and you can't play four counterspells anywhere that's not a thing like it's not really good enough for legacy it's it doesn't exist in more recent formats it's like yeah you can run one in edh or whatever but that's not exciting like, this card is a, a classic of the game Magic the Gathering. It's a defining blue card, and you can't play it anywhere. And now you can, and people can pull out all of their old, cool counterspells and play them. That's good. That's a good reason to reprint it all on its own. Yeah, and I don't think it's too strong for the format. Like, I, I think it's a good card, mm-hmm. but I don't know if it will... Like, blue just had a million good counterspells printed in Modern Horizons 1. Archimage's Charm and Force Indication are mm-hmm. both hugely impactful. Uh, and Counterspell is just more of that, which is just like, if you want to play all of those cards together, you're just playing kind of just a Mono Blue Counterspell deck, which is very exploitable. Yes. So you really have to find your balance of, you know, where do you put your really efficient Counterspell versus going for the the more powerful cards, like or flexible cards, I guess, like Archimage's Charm. Yeah, I mean, it's mostly, like, a mana leak that doesn't go dead against Tron, which is fine. Like, that's a good card to have access to. But you're going to play against humans, and they're going to have... They're going to, like, play turn one Ether Vial off of Cavern of Souls, and then your <laughs> counterspell doesn't have text. 
you're going to play against Prowess, where all of their spells cost one mana. So you're, you know, the more you trade down on mana with Counterspell, the less of a card it is. And the average mana cost in Modern is lower than two. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know if I quite agree with that, but it, it's not so wrong that it's... Like, Counterspell's a good card, but it's not beatable, basically. Yeah, I, and I think it'll see plenty of play, but only in certain types of decks and not in, like, gigantic numbers, and it's never going to oppress the format. There's just no way that it does that. I basically like that it's printed because it's a iconic part mm-hmm. of the game, and it feels like that's what modern should at least try to reflect a little bit. Yeah. Instead of everyone just playing like Heliod the Sun Ground and Monastery Swift Spear as like the iconic cards of modern, <laughs> like maybe we can get some actually iconic cards of magic. <laughs> we do pretty good with Lightning Bolt being the most heavily played card in the format for basically the entire existence of the format. So there's something, you know, if we could have a format where Lightning Bolt and Counterspell are like the two most heavily played cards, that might, that like, I'm not like too upset by that as a concept. What is your your favorite counterspell art? I I haven't gone in to pull any out yet. So the two that I think of, the two that like pop into my mind when I think of counterspell are uh the dude with his fingers pathetically melting off to the side because Is that the alpha one? Yeah. I mean Okay. It, Cuz it's just pathetic and funny and 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 really classic. I guess I just, like, don't see alpha counterspells, so, like, it lives in my head as, like, a Magic Online promo version of counterspell. But, yes, that is that is the one that I think of. And then I also like the Ice Age version, which lives in my head as the beatdown version of the card, which is a very shredded woman. Yeah, the one you're holding in your hand. Just, like, super shredded woman holding up, like, some some sort of, like, collapsing spell in her hand. I don't know. There's just something, like, really imposing and cool about that one that I I, I really like. Yeah, I found three of Ice Age counterspells <laughs> when I was looking for counterspells. Uh, it's, yeah, it's neat. Yeah, for a card that we haven't been allowed to play in what... 13 or 14 years or something like that there's so many versions of this card i i saw i've seen and held an alpha counter spell before mm-hmm. with like the the different corners because someone was playing vintage at uh some vintage event. it must have been an scg con like yeah. that, that had an actual vintage event counter spell famous famously great in vintage the format where you can play mana drain so I know it was vintage because the guy's deck was like almost all alpha. He's like one of those kind of people mm-hmm. to like collected for a really long time, mostly just playing for fun. Sure. So I don't like know that this was also several, several, several years ago. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> at, at, regardless of the actual validity of Counterspell being in his vintage deck. Right, right, right. It was there and it was from alpha and it was cool. It is cool and way better looking than Mana Drain. <laughs> Yeah, one of yeah. the most hideous cards to ever like be way too powerful to play in any format. Mana Drain got redeemed by uh, Draining Welk, turning it from like what is going on in this art to uh, it's like <laughs> a squid true. thing now. Yeah, that's true. It's a retcon of man of what Mana Drain is. Yeah, uh, my favorite counter spell arts are the the Jace versus Jandra one, mm-hmm. which is just kind of my 
archetypical favorite arts, which is just just a ton of color, mm-hmm. bright, great color. It is Fire this alpha counter spell is very colorful too. <laughs> yeah, but it is an alpha card, so it's kind of just inherently washed out. Right, but there's well, I guess the only recent version of it is the like FNM promo, which is foil. So that's yeah, unfortunate. That's a no go. Yeah, I would play with alpha ones if I owned them. Sure. But... I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and I like the masks one. Or the, uh, I mean, I do like the masks one, but the the newest Mystical Archive one that's just all orange. It's a giant orange hand. I like that as well. Yeah. The masks one is like a really competent illustration. That one is good. Like the lighting in it is really good. Yeah, that's why I like it. But yeah, I mean, I probably won't play too many counter spells in Modern, honestly, but... I'm glad that it's around. I actually see myself. I end up playing decks with counter spells, little C counter spells, all the time in modern. Mm-hmm. And I even kind of without actually playing control decks. Yeah, I mean, I sideboard way more counter spells than I register in my main deck. And like, I play Cryptic Command way more in modern than I ever thought possible. That started relatively recently, though. It it did, but. I'm not going to rule out playing Counterspell because I know that I will do it. Sure. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, and then we've got some new cards. Yeah. You want to start with... Let's save the best for last. Yeah, let's save the best for last. The The other two are not the most exciting. I do like the art and name Brainstorm. Yeah, this card's hilarious. It's a one mana artifact. Well, just a colorless generic one mana. Uh, you can pay two and tap it and sack it to brainstorm you draw three cards put two back yep so this is a bad card but luris exists and there are very 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 few ways to get cards from your hand back into your deck in modern so if there's any you know things where you're and i'm not thinking of any specific stuff but tutoring cards out of your tutoring creatures out of your library onto the battlefield or something like that, or putting something on top of your library to reveal and do a thing with, there's basically no way of doing that in modern somehow in all of the thousands and thousands of cards in modern. There's no way of doing that except with Jace the Mind Sculptor. Uh, no, at least nowhere that like even approaches playable. This one is a low enough cost that if that thing is irrelevant to you, then you might be able to make it work. As a generic card, just trying to brainstorm with fetch lands in a regular old deck, like, obviously, this is just way too much mana. Yeah, you need to be doing something really powerful with it, either with the putting stuff on your deck aspect of it or the artifact aspect of it. Because one of the things about Modern for a really, really long time, and even currently, is that artifact decks have always, like, been good in Modern, but artifacts suck. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the payoffs that are really, really good. Like yeah. Mox Opal, Psy, et cetera, et cetera. Urza, yeah. Urza now. So if you can, like, I've played a lot of decks with, like, Urza or Goblin Wilder, Emery or whatever, that I'm just like, God, I want to play another one-man artifact, but, but there's I don't nothing. want it to be another Pithing Needle. Right, there's literally and nothing. what can it be? Yeah, and it could be this. I mean, yeah. now you need to fill more slots because there's no Astrolabes to put into the deck, but... Yeah. Losing Astrolabe, just another blow to the Emery piles. <laughs> yeah, I'm not super sold on Brainstorm. I hope I get to play it, because I would like to. But 
I'm not writing off a one mana artifact that has brainstorm on it just I, yet. I just love the expression on the stone. This stone is so done with everything. It's it's again it's been through 2020. Yeah. Definitely. That's that's the face of a stone who's had enough. <laughs> Next up, Diamond Lion. It's a two mana two two artifact creature. Cat. With the ability of tap, discard your hand, sacrifice Diamond Lion to add three mana of any one color, and you can activate this only as an instant, which I appreciate they put on the card, <laughs> even though they did not need to. Didn't they? Oh, is that what actually gives the text for uh, making Lion's Eye Diamond work? Yeah, or else you can cast a Titan from your hand or whatever because of how Kossa, the order oh, that Kossa yeah, yeah, did. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I'm glad it does something. Yeah, it's it's important text. Important and hilarious text. When else would you play an ability? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that's when I can normally add mana. You right? can't show this card to a new player. Like, it, it 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 just reads like what is it? Like like there's a card that's like whenever you tap a forest for mana, add a green to your mana pool. It's like, yeah, I know. That's what forests do. Vernal Bloom. Like Yes, Vernal Bloom. There's like a whole category of those cards. I wish I could find the card gallery. It's like a bunch of cards that just like you read it and it's if you were a new player, it's just like, yeah, I know. Like, what is this card? Just reminder text? <laughs> it can't be, but what else could it be? This card sucks. Yeah, this card's not good. It's just a creature, so. <laughs> I, I mean... Like, there's a a possibility of a deck that exploits this in some way, but, like, the intersection of, like, I can make Lion's Eye Diamond work, and also I can wait a turn for it, and also it's probably not gonna die, and if it does, like, I'll be okay. Like, when you've got Lion's Eye Diamond in your deck, you need Lion's Eye Diamond to work when you draw it, because you have Echo of Eons and stuff in your deck. The, the 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 idea that you could draw your lion's eye diamond and it's just like okay they had a bolt we gotta formulate a new plan is like y y you built your whole deck around this thing so it, you need it to work and importantly lion's eye diamond and black lotus before it are really notable for their reusability mm -hmm. like as soon as you want a yawgmoth will or breach or whatever right you just put that thing back into play and do it all over again yeah cannot do that with diamond lion I mean, this card is certainly sweet, but the hoops you have to jump through and the vulnerability, like, yeah, they're not going to have the bolt every time, but you can't build your deck in such a way that both, like, this card is good when they don't have the bolt, and also you can kind of shrug and move on to the next thing if they do have the bolt. Like, there's no way to do that. And it's particularly egregious that this card doesn't make six mana, because the lion clearly has two, two eyes. eyes. Unbelievable. <laughs> Last, but... Definitely not least. Uh, we've got Urza Saga. Mm -hmm. Just a card named Urza Saga. Not only named Urza Saga, also typed Urza Saga. <laughs> yeah, it's an enchantment land, so it has the land type Urzas and the enchantment type Saga. Because it is a saga uh, with three chapters. Chapter one is Urza Saga gains tap out of colorless. Chapter two is Urza Saga gains two and tap to create a zero zero colors construct artifact creature token with this gets almost one for each artifact creature you control you know why i love the this card car instruct because it's 
our token. Yeah, you can just use our more reasons to have our tokens around. Subscribe to our Patreon. We'll send you some construct tokens. It was really brilliant to make at the time only what Karn signed. Yes, Urza nothing else that. made those. And then Urza came out, yeah. and that's just Urza's thing, yeah. just to make Karns. Yep, fantastic. Perfect, perfect marketing. Yeah, and it, it you know our token became useful in by far the best deck in the format. Beautiful vision of the future, like just just incredible predictive powers on our part. And then chapter three on this card, which you have to immediately sacrifice after it resolves, <laughs> is search your library for an artifact with mana cost zero or one, put it onto the battlefield, and then shuffle. And now here's the reason why I hate this card. It is so unintuitive to have a saga that's about to sacrifice and you have to activate it in response. Like, it's just... Like, I get there's sacrifices to make this card work that you have to do in design, but it's just, like, so awful that it gains these abilities, keeps them, and then on the third chapter, you have to respond to the third chapter by adding a mana or making a construct in order to do it. It just, it feels real clunky. Uh, I agree. This is a kind of rules clunk nightmare. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a really good embodiment of the modern Horizons, like, design philosophy. Sure. Which is kind of just to go ham and screw the consequences. I also like that it's a continuation of cards named after sets because the first one had Virden Besieged, which was a siege card named yeah. after a set. That is this one went a little more intense. It's a but... little too on the nose to make Urza Saga a saga, I believe. That's my final evaluation of the flavor here. It is not too on the nose though. To make a card called Urza Saga with the types Urza Saga because the rules allow you to do that. Which is like a phenomenal use of the Urza's land type that they had to create in order to make Tron work under the rules. Like, I, I like mad respect for that. And if the entirety of the card is in service of doing this, like, that's okay. I support it. Uh, but this card is really, really really good yeah this card's busted like busted wide open so it has some weird downsides mostly due to its strange typing but you can play it if you play it as a land you can't tap for mana until the first trigger resolve right it's a land that you can <laughs> counter with a nature's claim so you yeah you can technically play it a trigger goes on the stack and your opponent just nature's claims it and you don't get even mana out of it <laughs> Uh, you can also play a land and your opponent just responds to your board and you don't have enough mana to do something with it. Mm -hmm. That probably comes up more often than your opponent like trying to get you. Yeah. And it, it's also a land, like, you have to play your turn a little bit differently because it is a land that uses the stack. So, like, you can't, this is a stupid example, but you can't, like, go Goblin Charbelcher. Oh shoot, play a land, activate it. Like you can do that with any other land in Magic. You can't do that with Urza Saga. They might ancient grudge your Charbelcher. Uh it's another so amulet comes to mind for these kind of trigger stuff because mm -hmm. you usually play your amulet turns where you, you know, play your Azusa, play a land, play a land, play a bounce land, which has a trigger. Because as soon as you play a bounce land with triggers, your opponent can kill your Azusa. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure you get all your triggers out or your uh your lands without triggers before you play one with that does. Yeah. Uh, but if you overload your deck with lands with triggers like Urza Saga and Bounce Lands and Amulet, 
it's going to come up more often where your your dryad or your Azusa just gets removed before you've gotten all your value out of it. Sure. Yeah, that's true. That that's a better example than my fake example. Um, and and this card is potentially playable in Amulet. Its third chapter finds an Amulet. Yeah, getting <laughs> that is really nice. The, the third chapter is very strong. Uh, there's a whole list of stuff you can get with it. People are talking about getting Expedition Map, oh, so you can get chaining. more Urza Sagas. Mm -hmm. The value of that is that you can actually create two constructs with this card by itself, mm -hmm. because you never lose the construct making ability on this land. It just eventually goes to the battle or the graveyard. So you once you hit chapter three and the trigger goes on the stack, you just make another construct before it dies. Mm -hmm. Grab an expedition map, go get another Urza Saga, and start the whole process over again. Yeah. Specifically, things that you cannot get, which is why they worded it this way, you can't get uh, Lotus Bloom and you can't get uh, Darksteel Citadel. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense. Like, if this were just a Lotus Bloom that suspended for one fewer turn and also made mana leading up to the Lotus Bloom turn and a mana on the Lotus Bloom turn, like, that wouldn't be okay. Can't get Mox Tantalite. You can't get Chalice of the Void. You can't get Witching Well. All right, can't get Engineered Explosives, can't get Arkham's Astrolabe, if we were allowed to do that. So it needs to cost exactly zero or one. Also, this, to me, serves as, like, a, a, a confirmation. Like, yeah, we're not really planning on unbanning Mox Opal anytime soon. Because if you get Mox Opal with this, that, that would improve <laughs> it pretty dramatically. And also, like, if Affinity were playable, this deck, this card, this card would be sick in Affinity. Just making those constructs off of your lands. Oh, yeah, that would be nice. But yeah, we can't have Affinity be playable. God, I wish Affinity were playable. I mean, honestly, with this card, it may be. Like, right. You can still play Luris in your Affinity deck because you're playing all cheap cards. Sure. Like, Cranial Plating only costs two. Ravager only costs two. Right. Yeah, and if you just have a bunch of Urza Sagas and they each get, like, whatever artifact from your deck when they die but they're making multiple constructs on their way in uh i mean yeah and you can sort of simulate getting mox opal because you can get springleaf drum and use it with your like new constructs and stuff so you can also get like arc bound workers i guess if you're into that ornithopter <laughs> well whatever you're getting it's pumping your constructs that you've been making so getting ornithopter is kind of neat too because cranial plating is such a good strong card mm -hmm. payoff and getting a flyer off of your land is nice. Right, so these work similarly to, like, Blink Moth Nexuses in that way. Mm-hmm. While still being pretty good against Stony Silence, because these constructs are just gigantic. Oh, yeah, you can totally beat a Stony Silence with this card, as long as you can make the mana to activate this card. But without Mox Opal in the deck, like, you're making a lot more of your mana off of lands then. Yeah, and plus... Yeah. I guess you can stagger your Urza's Sagas so that one of them can pay for the first. <laughs> True. Yeah, they're not legendary. Yeah, they don't have enough room to put legendary on the type line. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. It takes up the whole thing. They had to decide between putting legendary enchantment land saga or putting Urza's on the card, and they chose Urza's. Um, how often do they print a card that you read it and you go, oh yeah, they have to restrict this card in Vintage? I mean, is it an artifact? Because all the time. <laughs> I suppose that's true. But yeah, this card is getting restricted in Vintage. It's just way too good. 
But yeah, it gets Lotus as the third chapter. It gets Black Lotus and it serves as your alternate win condition in all of those decks. So you can just like, oops, hit my fail case, make a construct, make a construct, kill you with two eight eights. <laughs> yeah, workshops. What a card. <laughs> well, also, I like I think this is probably good in like outcome type decks and stuff too. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, Rizzo Soccer might not be long for Vintage, but I mean, Paradoxical Outcome itself is still not restricted Vintage, and I, that is one card I did think would be restricted Vintage when it was Friday. Yeah, it costs four mana. Yeah, not like this card, which costs a land drop. Yeah, which is like such a low cost in Vintage because you make a lot more mana than your land drops provide. Oh, and when this when this dies in Vintage, worst case scenario, you just turn it into a land by getting a Mox. So, like, there's no drawback to this card at all in Vintage. There's just, like, so many decks you can start putting Urza Saga into and trying to be good. I've seen people put it in Affinity decks, like I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, amulet people are hyped about it because it can grab an Amulet on its way out, as well as making Constructs. Mm-hmm. You can also do the Expedition Map thing if you want to, but I don't know if that's actually good yeah it also gives you easier access to hate cards primarily like Graftigger's cage or other graveyard hate is what we usually get in one mana artifacts but it gives you a higher density of that type of hate yeah it gets torment's crypt as well as Graftigger's cage if torment's crypt is more effective mm-hmm. i've seen it been put into grinding station decks like underworld breach style mm which has been kind of neat because getting Mox Ambers is actually pretty a huge deal. Yeah. So I wonder if there are other Mox Amber decks that will come out of Urza Saga being a thing. Yeah, this probably improves Mox Amber pretty significantly. Like, makes you just want to take another look at Legends and, and ways to make Mox Amber work. And there was one other deck I had on the tip of my tongue, but I have forgotten it. Oh, <laughs> I've seen various like Tron piles that are trying to really use the construct part of this card with Expedition Map. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly Eldrazi Tron because yeah, you know they just want to live the dream all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean it seems better suited to Eldrazi Tron than you know Tron is better served by just mulliganing aggressively for Tron and playing big things and just not considering playing like you don't really want to consider playing this land until turn four like so which is not great for a a card that takes multiple turns to do the thing (laughs) that it's trying to do yeah right this card's really really cool i am excited to play this is a card i know i'm gonna play with yeah this card is absolutely busto but we'll hopefully do some really cool fun things in the meantime But that's uh, that's all we've got for Modern Horizons two right now. Yeah, and then we'll start getting full. We'll start getting spoilers May twentieth, so that's pretty soon. A little more than a week. Yeah, that is. Yeah, next Thursday. Sick. So by the the twenty fifth rolls around, that's that Tuesday. We'll have hopefully a handful of cards to talk about. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited. I so. I was super excited for Modern Horizons 1, and that is not really diminished for Modern Horizons 2, because at some point, I think I would have been hesitant for Modern Horizons 2 after, like, the Hogak stuff. Mm-hmm. But then they banned all the cards I care about in Modern, and I haven't really found a deck that I super care about. Right, so just same, like, same, exactly the same. Wall. It's not a format that I have any attachment to, so, like, 
fuck it up and see what happens. I'm I'm pumped. Yeah, let's do it. Like, like it's the same as Mystical Archive getting added to Historic, right? Like Historic was atrocious. It was not fun to play. It like it was a chore. So yeah, absolutely introduce the Mystical Archive. This is just like taking a a gigantic risk of a play adding those cards to the format but you're way behind so it's fine like like you need to do something drastic to give yourself a chance to make this format good so i was super excited for mystical archive if it didn't work out oh well it did work out it was sick like that format i love playing now so hopefully something similar with modern all right we can move on to non-modern horizons 2 spoilers yes adventures in the forgotten realms yeah, that's just that. This is just a normal set, even though it's got such a verbose name. Yes, it's the D and D set. Yeah, the one we've been alluding to kind of the whole year. Maybe it's got party in it. We're not sure yet. Kind of freaking figure that it would be weird if it doesn't have party, <laughs> given that they're like explicitly D and D types in the party. I it would be off putting if if it's not in there. But we don't really know anything about this set. No mechanics. We just have a couple cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, notably, the the lands that they spoiled are super pretty and have flavor text on them. It's the first like basic lands that have flavor text on them. And the flavor text is so cool. It's a DM describing the the the, the land to you. Yeah, I, I have the planes on our little show notes document because there's so few planes with memorable art, and I think this is actually really good. I think most flavor text would be a a greater cost in like the aesthetics of the card than a payoff in the quality of the flavor text but these flavor texts mesh so well with the idea of the set that i i I, like they work they're worth that like aesthetic sacrifice for sure uh we we can talk about a few cards because we've got them Mm -hmm. there's a a couple simple ones that they previewed uh power word kill is a 1B instant destroy a creature, but it has to be non-angel, non-demon, non-devil, non-dragon. Yeah, this is just a Doomblade that you will play when it's the right removal spell to play in that slot. We'll figure it out when the time comes. You'll play Heartless Act until you're not allowed to, at which point you'll probably move over to this card and just be unable to kill Goldspan Dragon, and if that happens too much, you have to play something else. Yeah, maybe maybe switch to a 3-mana kill spell at that point. Uh, we've got Portable Hole, which is a white mana artifact. Uh, when Portable Hole enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls with mana value two or less until Portable Hole leaves the battlefield. Yeah, this card is really good. This card rules. Yeah, I this card is great. Uh, it doesn't have to target a creature. It's any non-land permanent. It only costs one mana. It's nice. Yep. It works with Galazeth, Prismari. Yeah. See, and I, 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 I'm glad you mentioned that. That's the one thing that, like, you know, I've listened to several podcasts and they've talked about the the previewed cards and they've mentioned Portable Hole. Everybody's really high on it, I think, correctly. We don't really need to retread it. It gets rid of a lot of stuff, including, like, Red and Six, which is neat. But, yeah, I'm I'm here for the Galazeth Prismari synergies, too. I, I love tapping things that shouldn't be tapped for mana. Well, yes, you're an Urza man, so. Well, yeah, that I think that Convoke helped a lot with that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Improvise, Improvise is nice too. Yeah, 
I just love tapping things. <laughs> You're getting a little extra value off, you know, get a mana out of your chromatic star before you sacrifice it. <laughs> I, I There's few things I love more than like seeing a tapped pithing needle or a tapped equipment attached to something. Yes, I love the tapped <laughs> equipment. Tapping the equipment to pay to equip it. Whew, that's, that's what I like. Yeah, that's the stuff. So portable hole, Galzeth Prismari, I hope we can do it. Uh, portable hole is just a great card. Yeah. And the higher qual the higher the quality of the artifacts that you're using to enable Galazeth Prismari, the the closer that deck is to being good because you want to be you don't want to be running bad cards just to enable your stuff. And this allows you I, I like how this card interacts with Galazeth particularly well because it's a cheap card that deals with cheap stuff. Mm-hmm. Which lets your Galazeth cast bigger spells to deal with bigger things. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to cast my Magma Opus now to, you know, clean this stuff up. Yeah, because I dealt with your small stuff with my artifact. Right, right. The other card we've got is uh, Vorpal Sword. Just a black mana equipment. Equipped creature has plus two, plus zero, and death touch. You can pay five and triple black. Uh, to give the sword the ability whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, that player loses the game, and you can equip it for two mana. This is mostly like worse Darksteel Axe. Yes. <laughs> which was less good than people thought it It like, way less good than people thought it would be. And also, well, like, it... Bone Splitter was less good than people thought it would be, so... <laughs> I don't know. I played Bone Splitter in Limited. That card felt pretty good. Bone Splitter was gross and limited, but you know. It it wasn't like a constructed all-star or anything like that. But also that format was all I affinity mean, that's, based. That's so. Mirrodin, so like I think if Bone Splitter had been in like most sets, mm -hmm. it would have been great and constructed. But in Mirrodin, it's just like the fiftieth best artifact you could possibly play. Right, right. And and one through five are Seat of the Synod, <laughs> Ancient Great True, Furnace, yeah. Ancient, six. and yeah. Yeah, this card's just kind of neat. It's a neat flavor card. It's it's nothing to talk about. Yeah, yeah, it's neat, but whatever. Uh, I think one of the cool things that they're doing with this set, uh, we, there's like another dragon, five mana dragon, that's like clearly a commander card, so I just skipped it here. Uh, but they have, what is this called? Like rule, some rule book cards as like a frame. And it's just sketches that look like it's from the the first D and D rule books. They look super cool. Mm -hmm. I I'm really into those, especially like since the one they showed is the Beholder card, and Beholder is such a classic Dungeons and Dragons monster. These are neat. Yeah, it's one of the few I know, and I I know nothing about Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of the like it kind of created that monster archetype and then it's appeared in like many many different like games and, and types of media so it's definitely a classic of the genre now uh wrapping up our our new cards segment slash episode uh historic anthology 5 is coming out wow it's impossible to get excited about this after the mystical archive just like well hold on ccr let me tell you how they decided to open up the previews for mystical or for excuse me <laughs> historic anthology 5 uh-huh they said it was coming out and they couldn't show any cards because it's coming out on like may 27th which is a couple weeks from now so they only showed two cards vorn voice of hunger and whirler rogue 
So, and when they showed those two cards, I'm like, all right, this set sucks. <laughs> Just nonsense. An eight mana commander only card, Whirler Rogue, which was way better than like anybody predicted it was going to be. But I, I mean, you know, this is a four mana two two that comes with some thopters, like may have some niche applicability, but like I'm not excited about it. Yeah, and since then we've gotten more cards spoiled. We've gotten Trash for Treasure, Vault Scourge, Intangible Virtue, Ancient Grudge, <laughs> Stifle, Ray of Revelation, Dramoka's Command, and Oh there we Rose go. Dragon's we hit one. Command. We hit one that's gonna do something. Dramoka's yeah. Command. <laughs> Finally. Uh, presumably it'll also have Atarkas and Coligans and Silumgar's Command. I don't think there's any way to be confident about that, given the structure of these historic anthologies before. But they had all the shrines in the anthology. They had all the cycling lands in the anthology. They're not just going to give us two cards of a cycle, are they? I could they, see them doing one. They card have of a cycle. done that before, right? Like they've. I don't want to. I I don't want to subject my eyes to the lists of all of the historic anthologies. But yes, probably we're going to get all of those commands. You're you're probably right because that that way we have like all of the multicolored commands available to players, and that's kind of cool. Because Dramoka, Atarka, and Coligan, those commands can't all see play. We've got Sword of Body and Mind, and no other swords. Hey, I just said I could see them doing one, but not two. Okay, and that is all right. That all is right. one. You got me there. God, yeah. Now looking back at historic anthology for just real classic, like putting a bunch of Amonkhet and Kaladesh, Kaladesh cards after Amonkhet and Kaladesh came out. Genius. Yep genius design i love the reasoning for it that they put out was uh cards that players missed from the previous anthologies we decided to reintroduce into the game and when i read that i'm like but you took those cards out of the sets in the first place cards we forgot about when we were doing the remastered sets yeah i mean there's not enough artifacts that you want Ancient Grudge, but it's probably good to have in the format in case, like, something nutty happens. But, like, a braid is just better than Ancient Grudge given normal Magic the Gathering. So. I think given normal Magic the Gathering, Ancient Grudge is actually more dangerous. <laughs> because yeah. usually Ancient Grudge is like, oh, I'm casting it from the graveyard that I milled over for free. Sure, that's, that's probably true. Yeah, and I mean, that's probably going to be the primary use of it is index that really toss cards into the graveyard and there's some artifacts in the format that they want to deal with jermokas command is i think still like just a very good card it's just so efficient at what it does yeah the other cards in this batch uh not good yeah stifle maybe you can do something like niche with with, lo but I with lotus field or something yeah, sure that's got a triggered ability <laughs> i think that's probably too weak because Blood Sun exists, and that's also unplayable. Well, but that gives you multiple ways to make your Lotus Fields work, right? Like, that could be the... That could put you over what you need in order to make a deck like that work. And you can stifle Storm Triggers. Yeah. You can stifle Storm Triggers. <laughs> I have not lost... I Like, in my last 100... 200 historic matches i have not had a single card with storm played against me so yeah it's much weaker than the other stuff in the anthologies for sure yeah god actually jermokas command is like a pretty big bummer to me because i have been like housing people with 
deafening clarion and that type of effect because it really kills like pretty much all the creatures people are putting into play in this format and there's a very playable green white company deck that's going to be really happy to have access to like a removal spell that's also two mana counter anger of the gods Jeroka's kind is very good yeah it is it's going to be like the the three of an inspector death shadow of this little anthology mm-hmm. it's probably going to be like the two the two playable commands the three playable commands mm-hmm. and then just a bunch of like shrines hondens <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna be racing to make a trash for treasure deck because, like, what am I, what am I trashing for treasure? Well, <laughs> what's my treasure? You know, refurbish exists. You can pay one mana more and not be required to have an artifact in play to do this. So, seems unlikely that trash for treasure is the thing. Vault scourge is a really, really powerful magic card, though. Mm, is it? I mean, there's like no way to exploit it in in historic. Like, it's only good because like payoffs are good right but it's a like really fantastic body for certain types of payoffs one mana one one flying lifelink artifact you know there's things that having access to that that type of thing can open like if we get like we're gonna at some point we're gonna get in soul artifact right and then like (laughs) vault scourge is gonna be good too in soul yeah something like that but it's not i could it's not playable right now no i mean i've seen very a large number of games decided by a vault scourge with a cranial plating on it mm-hmm. so i'm not going to write out vault scourge but you do need something to go with it yeah i mean at some point there will be the ingredient we've got steel overseer we don't have another thing but at some point there will be the ingredients for like oh artifact creatures kill you really fast now that uh, wait there's a uh there's tempered steel there is, one in one of the there is tempered steel, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely there. Well, I I did play that combination in standard. Yeah, and it was like kind of okay. Yeah, it was like medium, all right. <laughs> I mean, it, a lot of people played it. Yeah, I mean, steel overseer is really powerful, but also like this deck's really vulnerable to wrathing effects without having access to. I guess blink moth nexus is in the format. Yeah, but not Ink Moth, no. which is the great one. Well, but without like cranial plating, I think Blink Moth is actually better in like an artifact aggro deck, right? Generally, like if you have a a tempered steel left over after they wrath you and one creature land, you're like more likely to kill them with a Blink Moth Nexus than an Ink Moth Nexus. Okay, I could see that. But yeah, I mean, it's not the deck's not there yet. I I really don't believe. Not until they put you know like affinity or not affinity. Great. What's it called? Arcbound Ravager. There we go. Right, and I'm also <laughs> checking to make sure that Shrapnel Blast is not legal in Historic, which it is not. Yeah, Shrapnel Blast, um, Cranial Plating would be a nice one. Yeah, no no Galvanic Blast either. Actual Urza. <laughs> it's gonna be a minute before we get Urza. Yeah, that card has too many lines of text. No Springleaf Drum in Historic either. Well, there's some stuff. No Glinthawk Idol, though, so why would I ever play Tempered, <laughs> Tempered Steel without Glinthawk Idol? I don't know if our audience realizes how somewhat playable 
cool that Hawkeye Idol was and stand. Like medium important to that deck existing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we had pretty much everything. Yeah, that's that's the lay of the land. We got all the spoilers out. OP is a mess still. Hasn't changed yet. Nope. Never will. Just I mean Absolutely not. Paper Magic's coming back at some point. So we've got to do something about that at some point. Right? Yeah, that was one of the announcements, too, that we didn't really hit, is that uh, at the end of May, depending on local regulations, you can go back to playing Paper Magic. A little surprising given how conservative, like, I kind of would have assumed that Watsu would be a little slower to do that. But if your local regulations allow it, I guess it kind of makes sense. Except that, like, a lot of these states where the local regulations allow it, it's, like, clearly the incorrect policy in stores should not be having in-store play. Yeah. I, I'm i probably not going to be doing in-store play for the next several months. Yeah. Definitely not at the end of May. Yeah. I mean, I wonder... Yeah, it's it's just like I am vaccinated and but even like going in there like wearing a mask, just like sitting across the table from multiple people and touching each other's cards and stuff just doesn't really seem like a safe thing to do. I'm willing to wait a couple more months until like more people are vaccinated, things are a little yeah more controlled. Same. Especially since like where we live is not, you know, the ideal right <laughs> vaccine wonderland. True, true, true. Oh, I do you want to do a Patreon question? I, I asked for a couple. Uh, sure, if you got a good one. Uh, Sean Hunter asks, wishlist for Prince into Modern via Horizons 2. Gonna assume this is uh, not we make up any card we want and pretend we're card designers, <laughs> but cards that actually exist but aren't in Modern yet. Yeah. You want to start? You want me to start? Uh, I can start. Okay. So... So, the card I most want in Mars is just Mox Opal, so we're gonna pretend that's not. Well, that doesn't. I, I don't think that counts for the purposes of this question. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna say it, but it's kind of hard for me to want cards because they all are like that's the kind of stuff I like playing. It's all kind of busted, but I would like something like Thopter Assembly. Not Thopter Assembly. What's the uh, Retrofitter Foundry. Oh, sure. Like Retrofitter Foundry in Modern. I think that card's really cool, really neat. I don't think it's going to be good anywhere, mm -hmm. possibly. But it's the kind of card that's like small, innocuous, grindy, uh, does artifacty stuff that I like. Mm -hmm. I, I would like Palace Jailer to be in Modern. Yeah, I was thinking just that. To yeah. See the world burn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think introducing the Monarch mechanic in Modern is a very slippery slope. Especially since people will want it in colors that are not white. But as an actual white card, I really like Palace Jailer. White deserves some love too, and Palace Jailer is a strong card that has some cool stuff going on with it. Yeah. Uh, one of my friends asked me this question, like, privately, and I snapped off Dark Ritual. Um, and they, they quickly me? clarified that I wasn't allowed to have put cards in that would clearly be banned yes i agree <laughs> i think that that violates the spirit of this it would be i guess it would be fun to see it happen for a minute but like you can't put dark ritual into modern i would play it yeah but like it's not a good thing that's definitely not a good thing for the format yeah but i mean i'm in let it burn mode so sure what do you have for me i'd love to see buried alive because that's one of my favorite cards ever printed. 
And, like, yeah, obviously the only real application is, like, to do Arclight Phoenix nonsense. And that's, like, a little one-dimensional. And so maybe it's just not a good idea to have. Because, like, what else are you going to do with Buried Alive? And I don't know. It would be neat if we could come up with something. But it's a three-mana spell, so you obviously have to be doing something very proactive like that with it. I would also love to see, you know, a little more of the... hmm, I, I, like, I would love to see something that helps, like, goblins be good. But the cards that would do that are... Like, I can't think of one that's actually okay. Like, I don't think that we should put Muxus... I mean, maybe Muxus is okay. But then, like, it, it makes a goblin deck stupid. It makes it, like, cast Muxus and win. And it's just... Or, like, like I, I think Muxus is not... It doesn't promote good goblins-type gameplay. I, like, Goblin Lackey is maybe fine because you know it's a very bolt heavy format but it's just such a swingy card that it doesn't really lead to good games so i don't know how to make goblins good with any old cards but i would love if goblins were modern playable i'd be kind of down for i don't know trying out goblins lackey yeah maybe i saw i saw a tweet by zach allen i think mm-hmm Saying that Rishton Port should be in Modern Horizons 2. God, I hope that card is just definitely not in this set. Yeah, I don't think it's a good play pattern, generally. It's horrible. Yeah. I think it would probably be okay. Like, I don't think it would, like, devastate the format, but the games where it's good are just so miserable for the opposing player. And this format doesn't have Wasteland, so you can't, like, get rid of it ever. Yeah. And that's not to say you should also print Wasteland, by the way. (laughs) Like, (laughs) They'd have to also print Teferi's Response. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh i want shardless agent okay is it gonna like do anything with that card or no but like it's obviously fine so just like sometimes it would be the thing you want to do something with like let me do that what about baleful strix is that too good no it's like clearly not too good it's fine it's a it's a decent card like right. it's probably better than Ice Fang Quaddle now that we don't have uh Astrolabe, but like what what blue black decks are gonna you know, I am fine with a blue black like grindy deck in modern that's doing baleful strict stuff. I mean yeah, and I'm, I'm really fine with an Esper Vile deck doing baleful strict stuff, so Exceedingly fine. Uh Abundant Harvest would be a great card to have in Modern Horizons 2. Well, we know it's so funny that there is a card in Magic that is only legal in Historic and nowhere else. You can't play it in Commander. You can't play it in Legacy. You can't play it in Vintage. It is only legal in Historic. I thought you can play it in Legacy and Vintage because it's like treated as a supplemental card. Oh, is it? Okay. Oh, yeah. No, it it must be. But yeah, it's not because like the mystical. So the mystical archive makes one card legal in any like non-historic format it makes abundant harvest legal in is yeah i guess i guess it must because i've seen like like honorog playing abundant harvest in legacy okay all right oh i know deck faded let's put deck faded in the modern oh hell yeah i'm down for that there's there's no punishing fire but you know there's no artifacts to steal either so (laughs) i kind of want recruiter of the guard or imperial recruiter or both. Or both. I mean, it's kind of hard to put both in a set. But I, I, I'd i like a recruiter effect in the set. 
Is Grindstone on the reserve list? Can we just put Painter in the format? <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea to have in the format. That can't be done. It's, it's not on the reserve list, though. Yeah? <laughs> For some reason. I'm not quite sure why. I don't know. I'm not really thinking of anything super in particular. Part of that is that I don't have as big of a depth of knowledge of the supplemental sets. You know, I, like I know the ones that have broken into legacy out of those, but there's probably some that would be decent in modern that I just kind of don't even know exist. Uh, a goblin bombardment would be neat to have in modern. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Give us goblin bombardment in modern. Any combo deck that's built around goblin bombardment is like a combo deck that would be great to have in the format. Just like any any creature heavy based thing like that is going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very into that. Um, I think I'm all tapped out now. Oh, I know. I have a, a wish list card that's not. It's just a vague wish list, not an actual card. I want to see Mishra. That's like a counterpart to Urza and Yagwath from the previous Modern Horizons. Mm -hmm. I think having like an actual legendary Mishra card, other than his garbage Time Sparrow one, like one that actually works in Commander. The Time Sparrow one is sweet, but there's like it's clearly a casual focused card that you can't play in Commander based on the text of the card. So I, I would like to see a Mishra, just like a modern red Mishra, preferably. That, that's but. fair. Oh, you know what I want? Just want to make sure this didn't like get printed at some point that I didn't know. I would love to see Basking Rootwalla in modern. I don't okay. I don't know what it does or anything, but zero mana madness is like that puts a body into play and like counts as a spell for Vengevine or whatever. Like I I, I just I love Basking Rootwalla and it's a very satisfying card to use. So yeah, I think mostly what Brute Walla will do is only see play index that have pitch find it. Probably. But, I mean, that's not horrible. Like, it's a, it's a cute little card. Yeah. And, like, you know, I have historically not really enjoyed the Vengevine deck in Modern, but that's... I, I do love Venge... I do love Basking Brute Walla. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of tapped out. I can't really think of anything else in particular that I want to see in Modern. Yeah, I'm, I'm out. All right. Thanks so much to everybody for listening. We really, really appreciate your time. If you want to lend us some support, head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. You can also find us on social media. I'm tweeting from at CCR underscore grindcast. Lee is also on Twitter. I am at Lee McCleo. That's it for us. Thanks so much and have a great week. Goodbye.